Okay, so today we're going to be having a look at Saul and the witch of Endor. Am I on? Well, my sermon's not on, so I'm a bit concerned. And there we go. Saul and the witch of Endor. If you've got your Bibles, you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 28. Uh, 28. 1 Samuel 28. We'll only be looking at that passage this morning. This is the last time we'll specifically talk about Saul, this tragedy of a man, this hand-picked person chosen by God to lead Israel, the one who is heads and shoulders above everybody else, but who through his own choices of disobedience and that pride that steadily built up in his life, he ends up falling from greatness to absolute foolishness and to a life that ends actually in suicide. It's a tragic witness of uh, a man who had so much opportunity, so much everything going for him. I mean, God specifically chose him, and yet he ends up in the gutter and, in fact, on top of his very own sword. So let's read together now in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and I read from verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Now this bit in the text is there specifically to say Saul had done this, and he had obviously done it when he was still serving the Lord, because Saul goes on now in this text to consult one of these people that he's actually expelled. In verse 4, the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Then Saul said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord. As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? 
I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me? Now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy, the Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had not eaten all that day and night. Let us pray. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, for a true story, another true narrative that we can read and we can hear and we can try to understand. We pray that by the power of your Spirit at work in us this morning, you would bring clarity to what you would have us learn in Jesus' name. Amen. So this chapter records the nights before King Saul died. He committed a sin on this night greater than all the other sins he had committed in his life before. And his sin was this, that he consulted a spiritist, a medium, a woman with a familiar spirit, a witch. His life was out of control, and he, definitely, he, he desperately wanted to know what was going to happen the next day. He was facing this fierce enemy. This battle of Mount Gilboa was coming. It was in this battle, as I mentioned, that he died, falling on his sword rather than being taken captive by the Philistines. And we know further on in our reading that we're not doing this morning. Three of his sons also died in the same battle. So this was the night before. He wanted to go to this witch to get information, to try and understand what was going to happen because God was silent. And he goes to this woman at the place called Endor. Might seem strange that Saul goes here in the first place because as we paused in our reading earlier, he had eradicated all witches and mediums and spirits from spiritists from the land of Israel at some earlier time when he was still serving the Lord. He knew it was wrong. He knew it was anti-God to consult with them. Going to see witches was not part of who the Israelites were. The it wasn't part of the practice of the people of God. This was done by the heathens, by the pagans, by the men and women who had no knowledge of Yahweh, the one and only true God. Isn't it true, though, that when we are afraid, we do things that we would not normally do? And I'm not making excuses for Saul at all. Fear drives us to do things which in our heart we know are wrong. And it was perhaps under that impulse or the power of fear that he did the thing that's, he re that's recorded as having done here. What happened next is perhaps not easy to understand and opens up a whole can of theological worms if we don't dig around a bit. I mean, how are we to understand what happened? 
that this man, ex-man of God, goes to this person who knows he's wrong, and she supposedly brings up the spirit of Samuel. Did she have the power to do that? Could Samuel have come back from the dead, etc.? I think there's three possibilities, and I'm going to share them with you, and you can decide whatever you want to decide, and I'll share what I think is the right one. Firstly, the woman was just pretending. This was a seance. She knew what mooties to throw into the fire. She knew how to generate the ambience that was necessary for this apparition to come up. And so it was just all a great illusion, a big hoax. Mm, I think it's probably not likely because the scripture records that she was a bit terrified herself and got to see that this was actually Saul who had asked this. So maybe it wasn't that it was just a hoax. The second possibility is that Samuel really did come back from the dead. I want to suggest to you this morning that that's also not likely, not if we know the rest of Scripture regarding those who have died. For example, Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man to die once and then to face the judgment. We have that story in Luke 16 of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember the rich man died? And he wanted to get across from this side to that side. He just wanted to get a message across. And, and Abram said, there's, sorry, there's no way you can get anywhere across from this side to that side. It's over. We know in a Christian context, absent from the body and present with the Lord. So I don't think that it was really Samuel who came back from the dead. This is my thought on it. That God allowed the devil to impersonate Samuel. In his judgment upon the sins of Saul, he allowed Saul to believe that this was really Samuel who had come up. The Bible tells us the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. So for me, this Samuel wasn't the Samuel, but rather Satan who appeared as Samuel. Satan who had a huge amount of knowledge of the situation and story, and Satan who would have been either instructed or permitted by God to say and do certain things. Perhaps this was allowed in order that Saul may be more punished for his wickedness in consulting with a woman who had a familiar spirit. We know that what happened the next day, what he said would happen the next day, came true. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. With who? With Satan, not with God. <laughs> you get the picture? So I think that it was actually an impersonation of Samuel. 1 Chronicles 10 says, Saul died, verse 13, because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord. And even, can you see the how bad it was, he even consulted or inquired uh, of a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the king over to David, uh, son of Jesse. So here we've got Saul in a place of hopelessness who turns to the enemy who is rewarded in a sense by the enemy with the punishment that is due to him with some sort of information of what's happening the next day and he ends up dying in battle 
together with three of his sons. So what lessons can we learn this morning? Are you more confused than when we started or is it getting a little bit better? Lesson number one, we are to have nothing to do ever with darkness. Somebody say ever. We are never, ever, ever to have anything to do with darkness. And worldwide, there seems to be a tremendous increase of an interest in the magic arts. Books and movies galore, seances, tarot cards, star signs, horoscopes, etc., etc. Many of these things are almost taken for granted by people. I mean, they live on their horoscopes. Uh, you can't see a movie nowadays without some reference to uh, the dark arts, what we might call the dark arts. And then, of course, we have these flagrant uh, displays of magic that are impregnated into innocent little minds with books like Harry Potter. I've had arguments with believers who find nothing wrong with allowing their children to read overtly obvious books, magic-inspired books like Harry Potter. I read a story recently about a child who turned to their mother and said, Jesus was weak, that's why he died. And that child had got that impression from Harry Potter. Jesus wasn't as strong as Harry Potter was. Deuteronomy 18, let's see what the scripture says about us consulting anything like this. Deuteronomy 18, 9 says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Now here come the detestable ways. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Does it get any clearer than that? Leviticus 19.31 says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am Yahweh, the Lord. Leviticus 20 verse 6, even stronger. God says, I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from his people. That's exactly what happened to Saul. God is pure. God is holy. God is all-powerful. We don't need to consult with demons or devils or magic or necromancers or witches or wizards or spiritualists. We don't need them. God tells us all we need to know in his word. <laughs> and his word tells us, stay away from those things. 
and tell you the surest way to damn ourselves and the souls of our children is to allow them to get in or dabble with witchcraft and superstition or wizardry and magic. You say it's very harmless, is it? Don't let anyone deceive you. It wasn't very innocent for King Saul. God was so angry with Saul, the very next day Saul was dead. See, once you begin with the devil, you get under his power more and more and more until you are a perfect slave to these things. Starts with little things like star signs and horoscopes. <laughs> you know why they're called horoscopes? <laughs> Word horror before? Starts with little things like that. Can't believe how many believers will say, What star sign are you born under? Oh, you're a Libra. You must be X, Y, and Z. What are you playing with? What rubbish are you dabbling with? How dare you insult Almighty God? by trying to place yourself under the influence and the power of the demonic. Friends, we can't do that. Fortunately, in our country, this thing called Halloween is not very big. In the States, it's huge. The celebration of the in-between dead, the day that the spirits from the dead so-called so break through because the veil is so thin, they're able to break through into our world. That's what Halloween is all about. Historians have linked Halloween to Samhain, the Celtic festival of the summer's end, celebrated in mainly at those days, Ireland, Scotland, etc. And according to Celtic mythology, that veil got so thin that those spirits of the dead would return in order to get on the good side of these spirits and the so-called departed ancestors. Now, modern-day trick-or-treating is a confluence of various traditions, ancient Celts dressed up as evil spirits in order to confuse demons. In medieval Eng England, solars would go around begging rich people for soul cakes on Halloween, and instead of threatening to play tricks, they would pray for people's souls in return for the cake. In medieval Europe, they would dress up in disguises and visit neighborhoods while dancing, playing music, doing tricks. And as with most of these evil festivals, the Roman Catholic Church Christianized this evil and uses it now to celebrate all the departed saints. And so it's now called All Saints Day. <laughs> Not referring to us who are saints, but their selected few saints that are celebrated. Parents, watch the minds of your children. Parents, watch your own mind. Guard your heart and mind. Don't dabble with the things that God has expressly forbidden. I mean, why would we even consider the stuff? I mean, I've told you, I've had these people arguing with me about Harry Potter and the innocence of it. I've been asked as a pastor, what star sign are you? You know, ah, you must be this or you must be that. It's just not on. Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Friends, is our example of what not to do. We are to have nothing to do with these things ever. Learn from Saul and stay away from the witch. Amen. Lesson number two. Be careful. It's, it's all about control. If we consider the end goal of Saul's quest, it was all about control. Saul needed to know what was happening. He was out of control, and he needed to, he needed to control. So he disguises himself and and requests this witch of Indor to consult a spirit on his behalf. I wonder how quickly we do exactly the same thing. When the word is not enough for us, when we feel like we're out of control and we start doing things and saying things and, and trying things perhaps that we know are wrong, and we would never normally do, but we're out of control, and we want to be in control. We're quick to then begin to manipulate or even intimidate to have things our way. I'm sorry to say this, but there is just so much witchcraft in the church today. And it's the greedy leaders, in this case, who are the witches. Deception abounds today to such a degree that we can only be in the end times. Colossians 2 verse 1 says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. The full riches of complete understanding. The full riches of a new Bentley and a, and a Jag in the garage. The full riches of a new house and fine clothes. The full riches of, of perfect health all the time. It doesn't say that. He's praying for perfect fullness of riches of complete understanding. Why? So that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. It's all he wants them to know. Not praying for them to be rich and healthy and wealthy or anything else. He's praying for them to know Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he says this, I tell you the that why? No one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. That's where we are in the church today, worldwide, global deception, and it's all over money. Ephesians chapter 5 says, let no one deceive you with empty words because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That word hit me like a ton of bricks when I was looking at it this week. You cannot switch on a television program where there's some guy who's wanting a new airplane, not asking the people to become what with him? Partners. <laughs> become partners. Become partners with this ministry. 
partners, then I can get a plane that can fly me all over the world with, without a single stop. Kenneth Copeland and Jesse DePlantis, they don't want to fly on normal airplanes, and they said this publicly on a television program because they don't want to be in a cabin with demons. I mean, what absolute rubbish. Billionaires, dollar billionaires that continue to deceive and mislead millions of followers who just blindly send the money in week by week by week. It's wickedness and it's deception and it's manipulation and it's intimidation and it's eventually domination by those preachers who have now got there's millions of people who just blindly follow them. They throw the odd scripture in here and there and they talk about the word, but at the end of the day, richer and richer. Do not be partners with them. In Mark 13, Five, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Of our time, it can be said with Jeremiah, this chapter 29, verse 8, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Oh, pastor, have you got a word for me? Oh, prophet, please lay your hands on my head and prophesy over me. Oh, please come pray over my business or prophesy over my business. I want a word from the Lord. I told you last week, if you want a word from the Lord, read your Bible. And if you want to hear it aloud, read it aloud. They are prophesying, verse 9, lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. In our new, new covenant context, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one, one will be in accordance with the works of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. You're not going to find too many medically documented healings from the modern day healing you won't find them and when they get challenged they can't provide them just not there not to say god doesn't heal today god still heals today i believe that with all heart god still heals but not in those counterfeit signs and wonders to make me a little bit richer. In every sort of evil, verse 10, are that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they have refused to love the truth. What is the truth? Truth is the word of God, and so be saved. The truth is that we need to be increasing in richness of understanding and knowledge of God. And what is that? Jesus Christ, the one who gave up the glories heaven and died so that we could live that is what it's all about verse 12 and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness see it's all about this control thing i want a control to get saved so give a thousand dollars per soul every person tonight who is one thousand dollars there will be a thousand souls saved you know 
Give it to my ministry and see what happens. I want to make sure my kids go to heaven even though I live like the devil. So what do I do? I baptize them. <laughs> Ooh. I want to hold a leadership position in the church so I buy my way in. Friends, manipulation of the word is at an all-time high and following that is intimidation of the saints that has never been so severe. And you try and address that and those devils begin to become very angry inside of people. I want to tell you something now. There is today a manifestation of the works of darkness that has never been seen before in the church with the ultimate goal of control of the souls of mankind. And it's the souls of people in the church that are suffering from deceptive people. Saul went to a devil woman to gain this control. Nowadays, you just got to switch on TV or go to church in many cases. Beware lest your desire for control supersedes biblical mandate to submit entirely to the sovereignty and lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you the story before, but when I was still many, many years ago, when Rose and I were still involved in doing that weekly TBN program, we would go up every Tuesday for three hours and host different churches, and it was actually great because they were all the little churches in the area, and we found out who was doing what, and you know, it was just wonderful to see. But I remember once preaching there uh, during a praise-a-thon, and I preached the message about giving uh, and receiving, sowing and reaping, and I said, we give to get to give. We don't give to get. We give to get to give. So if you're sowing seed, you're sowing seed to reap a harvest so that you can sow more seed. It's not about me. And I was never allowed to preach again. The last time I, was, I did an interview on Link FM, the interviewer asked me about my definition for biblical prosperity on air. And I said, brother, if you live in a mansion, you're sharing your wealth with others. If you live in a shack, you're going to have a loaf of bread and you'll have a loaf of bread left over to give to somebody else. That is biblical prosperity. After the show, that man attacked me. He said, I refuse to live like that. I refuse to live like that. My gospel is a health and wealth one. And I've never been back to Link Left M either. People don't want the truth. They're not happy with the truth. Be careful. Beware. It's all about control. And my last lesson this morning, there is no fear for true believers. With all this deception around, what hope do we have of making it out alive? The scene with Saul, the witch of Endor, Samuel's supposed spirit, caused absolute terror. Concluding with the word, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear. See, there is always going to be a fear left in our hearts when we have dabbled with sin. When you dabble with the enemy, there will always be fear. Without the Holy Spirit, who is our truth counselor, we will always fall down in fear. But I'm happy to tell you this. The devil has no power to touch us. Those who know Jesus as their Savior. 
I'm happy to tell you that Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of God in glory, has far more power than all the devils and demons combined in the world. 1 John 4, 4, we read, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now that's in the context of false teachers. So we don't have to fear because the spirit of truth within us will lead us into all truth. If we are available for truth, we don't have to fear because the one in us is greater than the one in the world. He will lead us by his word faultless through this maze of wickedness around us. When you follow him, we are safe and he can't do us any spiritual harm. Who are you following today? Are you following this famous author or that famous author? Do you ascribe to the teachings of that famous person or that famous person? Or are you following faithfully the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you finding out in his word what he wants you to do, how he wants you to live, how he wants you to do whatever? Or is it five spiritual laws to health, five spiritual laws to wealth and success, five spiritual laws to a new airplane, you know? Be careful. King Saul is just so like Judas Iscariot, isn't he? I mean, here we have two men, both brought under the power of the devil at the end of their lives. We have a distinct role to play if we are to walk without fear of falling into the devil's trap. We don't dabble in evil, and we refuse to have anything to do with demonic powers that influence our lives. Ephesians, Paul says, chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. In other words, just get rid of all of that stuff. Get rid of the lies. Get, off, get rid of the, the, the anger that goes over. Get rid of whatever. Just get rid of all the stuff. Put it off. And do something useful so that you're able to share with others. Get rid of the tea leaves. Get rid of the horoscopes. Get rid of the old wives' tales. I mean, I wonder how many of you say something stupid like, I'm going to East London or I'm going overseas next year. Touch wood. Touch wood. You're just invoking the devil. Touch wood. You know where that comes from? It comes from an old animistic belief that the enemy, the devil, <clears throat> sorry, that, that good spirits lived in wood. And so they would touch the wood, hoping that the good spirit would enact what they had said. It's an animistic belief. They believe in spirits, in things, in stuff. So when you say, I'm going to England, you touch wood, you make a joke of it in oh, my head, touch wood. What are you doing? 
As a believer, what are you doing? What does the Bible say? If the Lord wills. I'm going there, if the Lord wills. Get rid of the touchwood. Get rid of the horoscopes and the tea leaves and everything else around you. Because only then can I be confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jude says to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God be our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Friends, there is no fear for believers where we get rid of all that stuff that we should have no part of. Quick summary, we are to have nothing to do with darkness ever. Beware, it's all about control. If you're not following Jesus, it's all about control. Either you're going to be trying to control or somebody's going to be controlling you. Be careful. The only control we should have is the control of the Holy Spirit over our lives. And lesson number three, there is no fear if we get rid of all of that stuff for true believers because the one in us, the Spirit of truth, will lead us where we should go. Amen.